Hi, my name is Ariane. I'm a traveler and I run a travel blog. Join me each week as I discover life, love, and the world. This is my Wonderlust Journey podcast. friends and welcome to another episode of the Wonderless Journey podcast. Again, my name is Ariane. I'm the host. And on today's episode, we're going to be chatting about solo travel. I honestly can't believe we're already at episode three. Uh, this has been so exciting to launch my podcast. It's been something that I wanted to do for a very long time. And I just wanted to kind of dive into a lot of topics that I speak to with my clients and, of course, with my friends. A lot of my friends either work in travel or are related to travel in some way or another. So that's kind of what made me really start this podcast is to kind of have real conversations and heart to hearts about all things travel. So let's get into today's episode. I'm actually recording this solo travel episode solo today. Uh, I'm coming to you today from my apartment in the Vancouver area. Vancouver is my home base, as you would. Uh, I love living here in British Columbia. The mountains and the ocean are right here, and it's such a beautiful spot. I have so many different variations of activities I'm involved in. In the summer, I love to go hiking and mountain biking. And when I say mountain biking, I actually mean downhill mountain biking. It's a lot of fun. I love it so much. And in the winter, which we're just about starting here in our part of the world, I really enjoy skiing, snowshoeing, and really kind of enjoying what the four seasons and winter has to offer. So solo travel. Let's get into why I personally love it so much. I know in my first episode, I kind of mentioned that it might sound selfish, but solo travel to me is actually my own self-care. So my full-time job currently is that I am a travel agent. And sometimes people think that that sounds like such a glamorous job and it can totally be sometimes. It's also very challenging at times. You do tend to run this business as your own business and that really determines how successful you are I truly believe in being a good travel agent. So you need to have very good customer service skills. You need to be on top of emails, phone calls. I really pride myself in really going the extra mile for my clients, whether that be meeting with them and really going through what they're looking for in a 
once-in-a-lifetime travel experience or if it's just, you know, a domestic flight to Toronto from Vancouver. I really put my heart and soul into my work and that can be quite hard on a person, I guess you could say. So for me, why I love solo travel is because it's my self-care. It's the one time that I can go away and shut the world off around me. I don't have to necessarily worry about emails. I don't have to worry about answering phones. I can just be fully present in where I am and even dig deep and reflect, which I think that a lot of us in our day-to-day lives, because of the hustle and bustle of first world, I guess you could say, that we don't really spend time to reflect and meditate and essentially grow. Because if you're not doing those things stepping outside of your business to really focus on who you are and what your goals are, you might be missing out on the bigger picture. So again, for me, solo travel really is my version of self-care. It's really a time for me to step outside of my business, really focus on me and my needs as a person, and then also filters that down into even having those dream moments where it's like, oh, well, you know, if I did this in my business, I can do that because my mind never shuts off. And that's why I need this version of self-care to help quiet the mind. So really, that's my really big thing of why I love solo travel is because the other reason I love solo travel is that I'm not worrying about anybody else or focusing on someone else's interests who I'm traveling with. I can really just like I did with this past trip when I was in uh, Budapest, for instance, for me, again, as I've mentioned before, I'm a very early riser, <laughs> fully aware that not everybody in this planet is, and that would really annoy some people. But for me, I know that if you're ever going to Budapest, this is a big travel tip right here. If you're going to Budapest and you want to go to the Seicheni baths, which are the baths in the city park, I want to say, honestly, the best time to go is at six o'clock in the morning. There are websites that say it doesn't open until nine. They lie. (laughs) It's actually a lot of the locals that go at 6 a.m., But again, I'm fully aware that when I go and travel, there are some people that six o'clock, that is early. It is way too early. 
it just doesn't work for a lot of people. Anyways, <laughs> but it's one of the reasons why I love traveling on my own. I don't have to worry about anybody else's thoughts, feelings on what I would like to do. And again, this sounds very selfish. I'm fully aware, but that's the thing. Like when you go to a country or somewhere new, you really want to tailor the experience to yourself because that means you're going to get the most out of it for you. And if this is your method of self-care, which I believe travel is, I think that you do need to focus on what interests you, whether that's wine, food, music, experiences, art, history, you name it. Everybody has something different that they focus on when they travel. And not everybody has the same interests. And that's why some people do, you know, travel together with friends because you do have some common interests. But solo travel can be a lot of fun. And again, I focus on my interests when I do all my planning. So, you know, my biggest interests are wine, food, I love Formula One. That's a big thing right now for me. And that's just what I personally like to plan my trips around. And I think if you do travel by yourself, I think I touched on this slightly already, it's that you're actually a little bit more aware of where you're visiting because you've tailored your trip to your interests. So again, you know, having that amazing experience at the Seicheni Baths, for instance, in Budapest for me, it was amazing going there at six o'clock in the morning because there was hardly anybody there. It was just the locals. It was so quiet. There was no tourists there, really. There was just a handful of us and it was just so nice to be there and really enjoy it without fighting for a deck chair or, or having to wait for a certain pool because it's already reached its maximum. It just really made my trip that much more enjoyable. So in regards to solo travel, I did ask on my Instagram stories if anyone had any questions specifically for solo travel, and I actually got quite a few back, which I'm really excited about. So the first question that I was asked regarding solo travel is, when you're traveling, do you reveal that you're traveling alone? So with this, it's a yes and no question. A lot of the times I don't reveal that I'm traveling alone. If it's to do with a cruise or a tour, things like that, people tend to kind of know that you are traveling alone. 
for me, I actually join up on cruises to sometimes they have like a solo traveler meetup one of the first evenings. I'm also a member of Cruise Critics, so there's something that's called a roll call with a lot of different uh, sailings, and that's something that I also go on to. Again, I feel a little bit safer, I guess you could say, in that aspect, especially if I'm joining a group tour like I just did this past trip I was on. I did a Backroads tour or Blue Roads if you're listening in from Europe. So obviously there was, you know, four other couples. So it was really known that I was traveling by myself, which again, totally fine because you're in that small group setting and I don't feel unsafe to let anybody know about that. But what it is coming to traveling by myself when I'm in like a transfer from an airport or even in just a day tour, I don't really say that I'm traveling by myself. I kind of feel out the group, (laughs) Uh, but a lot of the times I just, it doesn't even come up because if you're on a day tour, um, usually you just don't even have to worry about those types of things. But if it does tend to come up, which I'll kind of go into in a different question a little bit later, I do sometimes say that, oh yeah, I'm here with friends and we just decided to do different things for the day. I know that's a little white lie, but sometimes just to put those safety feelers out there, it just feels right to sometimes do that just because you never know people's intentions nowadays. Next question. So isn't it weird to eat alone? Yes and no. (laughs) Again to this question too. I actually like eating alone. This might again sound very strange, but I enjoy just taking in the atmosphere sometimes. For instance, you know, sitting at a table in Paris, watching life go by, just enjoying eating alone on a cruise. Like I find people are so friendly when they see that you're alone. I've had the most interesting chats with waiters and waitresses about, you know, local life. Also about, you know, just how you get to know people. So especially on a cruise, I I do tend to eat by myself. Even in the dining room, I tend to shy away from the buffets. I'll actually go and have my proper sit-down meal just because I find the portion, portion control is better. I love getting to know the waiters and waitresses. They're so fun, some of them, and they're so nice, and they add so much to my trip. It's amazing. They sometimes give me these because, say, the Mediterranean, for instance, I had one waiter that told me, oh, yeah, when you're in KOTOR, Montenegro, don't worry about going straight into the... Uh, the gate, go, go around to the side, go to keep going to the right. And you'll actually find the locals market. I would have never figured that out on my own. Well, 
unless you're really reading a lot of different books. But I got these little tiny tips and tricks of the ports from the waiters and waitresses, and it just made my trip that much more interesting. But again, I like to experience. I mean, food is definitely one of my big things that I do when I travel. I've eaten at some fantastic Michelin star restaurants in places like Rome and Venice. And I find that I can really focus on the experience when I am by myself. And I actually really enjoy it. One of the Michelin star restaurants I ate at in Venice, I'll link the restaurant in the show notes. The chef was just amazing. And the waiter did say that, you know, there was a woman that was eating on her own. I don't know if they thought I was a food critic or something. Who knows? But uh, (laughs) the chef came out and he was presenting each course and he was definitely spending more time at my table than he was at others. It was just a really nice experience and I don't hesitate to eat alone. I actually enjoy it. Is traveling alone as a woman safe? Of course it is. You know, you do have to do your research. You have to always be aware Also, my big tip is I always stay in a hotel versus an Airbnb when I'm traveling by myself. For me, I like to have that 24-hour security of a lobby. I know some women, solo travelers, they swear by Airbnb. And, you know, if that works for you, great. For me, I just like in a country where sometimes I don't necessarily speak the language to have that extra level of security personally. But traveling alone as a woman is safe. You just need to really make sure that you do your research in regards to the local culture, um, the local dress, what's modest, what isn't. I think just being respectful, that's really, really important. And also chat to other people who have traveled to the countries that you're looking at going to. Traveling alone as a woman is definitely safe. Just take your precautions. And even more so than just solo women traveling, I actually do believe that Everybody, men and women, we should be taking solo trips by ourselves at least once or once every two years because I think it is very, very healthy. So do you find it lonely to travel on your own? Uh, Most times, no. (laughs) Sometimes I do, uh, but most of the time I don't. I do take a lot of day tours uh, in destinations, so that could be like a wine tour or cooking classes. If I'm on a cruise, uh, sometimes I'll take a shore excursion. So I am surrounded by people a lot of the time, 
although I still am kind of on my own, if that makes sense, especially when it comes to free time, I tend to break out and go do my own thing a lot of the times. I don't find it lonely personally because I am a pretty personable person. I do like to chat with other people and find out where other people are from and what brings them to a certain place. That's probably, you know, the the travel agent in me where you try to figure out what why what brings a person to a certain place is it uh, family heritage is it just they had a bucket list that they wanted to check off so I find that fascinating about people so I do have my times where I'm with people but it is nice to have that solo breakout I find But the one big thing is traveling solo should not hold you back. That's a big thing that I find with a lot of these questions that I was asked. I think that's a big thread is that please don't let solo travel hold you back. It's an unbelievable experience and... Yes, there's a lot of important facts to consider, (laughs) but uh, it should definitely not hold you back. And going into that, what factors are important to consider when you choose a solo travel destination? For me, when I'm looking into my next destination, it's level of interest in the destination. I then look at safety I then start to research what type of hotels are available. I then also look into what type of transportation is is available in that destination. Is it reliant on public transport, taxis, uh, level of service in those things? Am I truly traveling alone or will I be around others is another one of my factors that I consider. So am I doing a tour? Am I doing a cruise? Am I doing day tours? How am I going to experience the destination that I'm traveling to? So those are just a couple of the factors that I consider important when I choose a destination. What are your packing essentials for a solo trip? So I've kind of mentioned this before, but my big thing is my immune by sage. That <laughs> um, keeps me sickness free for pretty well every single trip I've been on recently in the past four years. So definitely a lifesaver for that. I always pack a journal for me. If you've listened to the first episode, journaling is a huge part of my life and it's really one of my biggest essentials. Also, modest and lightweight clothing. I came across this tip because I realized that some of my dresses are a little on the heavy side, which... When you're trying to keep your luggage under a certain amount, that can get difficult if you're packing heavier fabrics. So I've kind of learned to invest in a little bit more lightweight clothing when I travel and definitely 
keeping in mind where I'm traveling. I'll always have more modest options just in case I'm going into any historical spots, churches, anything like that, because usually you do have to dress a little bit more modest. I always have a swimsuit on me. (laughs) Do also bring athletic wear. So for instance, this last trip I was on, I was staying in Minori, Italy on the Amalfi Coast. And they have something which is called the Walk of the Lemons. And if you've ever been to Vancouver, it's kind of like a grouse grind where it's these staircases through the terraces up to the top of the mountain, the terraces of all the lemons. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful little hike, more like a stair climber. But I definitely do bring athletic wear because I do try to keep active on my trips. And then the other thing that I always bring with me, it's kind of a packing essential, is also my city slash country guides and books. So if you've followed me on Instagram, you've probably seen my crazy collection of Lonely Planet guides. I absolutely love them. (laughs) I've got one for every single country I've traveled to and the countries that I've got coming up. And I really just like how they're put together. And I really like the advice that they give in those guides. So usually I bring those with me as well. So the next question is, how much do you plan in advance versus how much do you leave up to spontaneity? Most of my trips are planned out well in advance, especially with any trips that I have an F1 race that I'm attending. I really have to book those sometimes a year in advance just to make sure that the hotels are available. For the most part, a lot of my trips are planned out one to two years in advance. I would say the main bones of the trip. So whether that's, again, like a cruise, a special event like the F1 race, hotels, That's pretty well what I plan really in advance. And then flights come soon after when they're able to be booked. Usually about two to three months before my trip is when I really start to look at transfers, activities, and things that I kind of want to put in between what I've got, the bigger trip that I've got planned. So for instance, that could be a list of restaurants that I want to try. If I'm going to Italy, that could be some wineries that I really wanted to visit, sites that I really want to see. It really comes down to if it's a must-see for me as to if I leave it up to spontaneity. Because I do also understand that some things can be depending on time, weather, those types of things. This last trip when I was in Naples, I really wanted to head out to some of the other islands like Ischia and uh, Paracita 
And unfortunately, because of the weather that we were having during the day that I really wanted to go, it unfortunately just didn't happen. So sometimes I do just wait and see because it does depend on weather, timing. So I don't book everything when I plan. I sometimes do leave stuff for when I'm actually on my trip. That being said, I also believe you shouldn't be planning your trip while on your trip. I do believe that you should try to have as much as of, of your trip already pre-booked as much as possible just because it does take that level of stress out of it. Certain tours and activities and even transportation methods, depending on what it is, it could get booked months in advance. So if something is definitely a must-do for you, definitely book in advance. That's kind of what I would say. Do you meet people when you are traveling alone? Already kind of touched on this. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Um, I've actually met some amazing people on my travels, some of whom are still friends to this day. I've met people while on tours, cruises, even day tours. You do meet people if you put yourself out there and... I'm not talking about even in a romantic way, but I'm talking more on just friendship and truly connecting with other people who have the same interests as you. I mean, you're both visiting a certain place and you have that connection already and you have that common interest. So do you meet people when you're traveling alone? Yes, if you're open to it. That's what I'll say about that. What are your favorite apps to use when traveling solo? So I definitely have a few. My very favorite one is definitely Google Translate. It's, uh, it's been a huge lifesaver in so many ways. I always make sure to download the languages of where I'm traveling or even some of the outlining countries that I'm visiting. So for instance, I always have like Spanish, French, Italian, German. I've got a lot of the languages in Europe already downloaded, even if I'm not going to say Germany. Austria, for instance, they definitely speak German, but some of the outlining areas, like in Switzerland, they speak three different languages. So it's good to have a few of the more popular languages downloaded so that you, if you are running into any trouble, you've got a few languages on there. So Google Translate, definitely love even the camera that you can hover over things, like a bill. <laughs> so you can actually see that, oh, okay, so they charged me this or they charged me that. Or I've actually had it where they've charged me for something and I caught it because I had the Google Translate. Uh, so yeah, definitely love Google Translate. I also have Google Maps and Google Street View on my phone. I really like Google Maps because 
It will actually give you, if you are taking public transport, it'll tell you exactly the lines, the bus number or tram numbers. It's great. And it will even give you, uh, use a Apple Watch and it will actually put the directions directly onto your Apple Watch, which is quite cool. Airline hotel apps that I use are Air Canada, I use Marriott Bonvoy, Flight Center, I work with the company. <laughs> the reason I like the Flight Center app is because I work for the company, I literally can have my entire itinerary in one spot, so it's absolutely great. I also have whoever I'm flying with, so like I said, I use Air Canada a lot, uh, personally, so uh, also have like the WestJet app. Again, depending who I fly with, I've got the KLM one, Air France, British Airways, I've Air American Airlines. I've had them all on my phone at one point or another because you never know some of the aircraft, for instance, like American and WestJet, some of the planes don't have in-flight entertainment. I knew it actually relies on the app to give you that in-flight entertainment. So double check the flight that you're on to make sure that you don't need a nap. If you do, it's very expensive to download apps from a tarmac <laughs> with, with a data plan. So definitely make sure that the airline that you are flying with, uh, you can actually just check that with which aircraft and then just go to their fleet to see if it has in-flight entertainment. Sometimes it'll actually say right on your check-in if uh, your flight does have the in-flight entertainment or there might even be like a little thing saying, oh, make sure you download the app ahead of time. So yeah, that's just a little tip there. I use the Weather Network app. It's very popular here in Canada. I find that it's quite reliable in even in some of the other parts I visited like for instance in Naples this last trip we had thunderstorms again I couldn't go to some of the islands because I was really wanting to be but couldn't because the storms and they were there just as predicted so I tend to use the weather network app uh, I use Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp to keep in touch with my family at home. My grandmother is quite nervous when I travel. <laughs> so I always like to keep her updated and make sure that she's okay as well. So those are kind of what I use to keep in touch with my family. You can use like a Roam at home or some people buy like a SIM card and destination I don't tend to. I just put my phone in airplane mode and rely on Wi-Fi. I find that I can get Wi-Fi pretty well everywhere. When I travel my hotels, I make sure that it's got reliable Wi-Fi. So I don't typically use a Roam Like Home package or a SIM card uh, just because I haven't found that I really needed to. So next question, what are some of your tips for deflecting unwanted attention as a female traveling alone? <laughs> this is a really good question, and I think I already touched on it a little bit. 
I really do try my best to show respect and read up on local cultures in regards to modesty before I go somewhere. So whether that be, you know, for instance, Bali, Thailand, when you go into certain places, you need to be sure that you're covering your shoulders, your knees, sometimes even uh, a head covering. So I really do try to pack accordingly. I do find that if you have kind of taken the time to research that in advance, you don't really get the unwanted attention in regards to that aspect of traveling. It just looks like you are respectful and you don't necessarily get people, you know, staring or yelling at you or, you know, you don't have to worry about those types of things. I really ignore certain aspects of the unwanted male attention Uh, in Italy and in some other places. uh, It does happen quite often. Uh, Usually you just ignore and keep walking. If you are feeling insecure, though, Don't be afraid to say that you're meeting someone or that you're traveling with someone and that you're just parted for the day because you're interested in something and say your your friend wanted to go see something else. Whatever makes you feel confident and safe definitely don't feel like you have to make excuses for deflecting unwanted attention. On this last trip when I was in Budapest, I did a day tour out into the countryside into Etiak, which was a winery tour. And when I joined the tour, I realized that there was a couple from the United States and the rest of the group was all middle-aged, rowdy, already had their pre-drinks Norwegians. They were a lot of fun, but a couple of them were taking things a little bit too far and I had to tell them, hey, not okay. And I did actually tell one of them because he was definitely very persistent that I was traveling with somebody. I wasn't, (laughs) but I did make up a bit of a lie to him just to kind of get him to leave me alone. What matters is you need to worry about what's going to make you feel safe and secure in the situation that you're in. So if that is saying that you are traveling with friends, even though you're not, that is totally okay. On to the next question. So what is the biggest piece of advice for planning a solo trip? My biggest piece of advice is be as prepared as possible. This is the planner coming out of me. I just think that really being as prepared for where you're traveling to, even prepaying as much as possible. So for instance, I prepay a lot of my hotels, transfers, 
Of course, if I'm going on a tour or a cruise, that's all prepaid. But really making sure that as much of of my trip as possible is prepaid before I go is number one, a huge relief when you're traveling. You just don't have to worry about certain things, but it also helps to budget and just take your mind off things, I find anyways. And being prepared, also check out the Canadian government's website when it comes to travel. So the Canadian government has travel.gc.ca and it's a great website to check if you need visas for the country that you're visiting, if there's certain health or vaccinations when you're visiting certain countries. It even has, if there's any uh, travel warnings, those types of things, it's all on that website. So really being as prepared as possible and, you know, making sure that you are educated on where you're going. And I'm going to say it again, (laughs) traveling alone should not hold you back. That's also another huge piece of advice. I know I've said it a few times already now, this podcast, but it should not hold you back. Traveling should just make your life more enriched. So another question that I got was, are you part of any solo travel networks? So sometimes you can find local groups on Facebook, social media, When it comes to solo travel, I actually was running a solo travel group locally, which I will be starting up kind of in another roundabout way. (laughs) But really, if you're on a cruise, for instance, you can go to a big website. It's called Cruise Critic. They actually have meet and greets. Uh, which is really fun. And whichever cruise I'm on, I usually join up on the roll call. It's just fun to kind of get to know people before you travel. But I am excited to be launching something very soon in regards to a solo travel network. It's something that, again, is another passion project of mine. So stay tuned because there is going to be a trip coming up. Uh, It's going to be a river cruise, and it's going to be next September, but I will post all that information on social media as soon as I have it all confirmed. So super exciting about that. So this is actually kind of a funny question. (laughs) Do you ever think, oh my God, what am I doing here? (laughs) could not help but laugh when I read that. Yes, <laughs> I've totally had that. Uh, usually when it's someplace I visited, that's totally overcrowded. Uh, I've had that experience so many places where I'm just like, oh my gosh, why am I here right now? Usually it's, again, when it comes to uncourteous travelers, 
some of my time in Venice, I definitely felt this way just because of the overcrowdedness of the streets and the alleyways. But it's really one of the main reasons I wake up crazy early is to avoid crowds. I also really try to do private tours or small group tours versus taking larger group tours. I feel like it's just herding cattle. Like um, when it comes to the major cruise lines, I don't typically take the shore excursions through the larger cruise lines just because I don't feel like I'm getting a very tailored experience to what I want when it comes to having to deal with 60 other people on a bus. To me, that's not really fun. It's usually the tour guide ending up herding cats halfway through because everyone's either lagging because they're trying to take photos because there's, again, 60-some-odd people in their group. So for me, I just try to avoid those types of situations, and I really plan my trips around avoiding that feeling. So yes, I've definitely thought that, and I have tried to make sure it doesn't happen very often. (laughs) This is a really good question. How has solo travel changed your life? If I'm going to be totally honest, travel has taught me so much. It's taught me to slow down and enjoy at the right moments in my life when I needed to be told that. Everyone around the world really wants the same thing. Everybody wants to be healthy, to be happy, and to live in peace. That's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had while traveling and seeing various different cultures and seeing different people around the world. And it's very, very humbling. And, you know, when you go to places like Bali, Thailand, Vietnam, and other places around the world that they don't have what we have here living in Canada, for instance. I do understand that I am very privileged to live the life I live. And I'm very grateful. But the one thing that I've also learned is that it's also about traveling sustainably when you do visit these places. So whether that's learning from other cultures, doing no harm while traveling. So I even something as small as bringing your own shopping bag to wherever you're going. I have a small one that can literally fold up into, it's very lightweight, folds up into the size of my fist. And that's typically what I do 
bring with me when I do a lot of shopping in other countries. It's just a, a gray shopping bag I bought at Ikea <laughs> and uh, kind of fits in with everything. So, but it just makes you not stand out as a tourist as well, necessarily, because you're not carrying around I love Amsterdam bag. But anyways, it's also about traveling sustainably. So really traveling has made me really aware of what we all do to our planet, I guess you could say. Uh, so, you know, making sure that People are also aware of animal welfare issues as well. This is a huge, huge, huge piece that is very, very, very near and dear to my heart. Unfortunately, there are some places out there that say that they are elephant sanctuaries and they still allow elephant riding. It's not okay. When it comes to animals... They can't say anything for themselves. We have to do the right thing for them. So when it comes to elephant riding, walking with the lions, photos with tigers, do your research and just don't do it. I would actually say very strong language right now, but I'm trying to keep this podcast as clean as possible. <laughs> Even, you know, swimming with dolphins, that kind of thing. Swim with the dolphins in a natural habitat when you're out. They, if they happen to swim around you when you're swimming out in Hawaii, great. You know what? Perfect. But don't pay to swim with dolphins in an aquarium where they're not meant to be kept unnaturally. Sorry, I know that's a very big personal rant, but I'm very passionate about animal welfare issues, you know, and I've even learned. So for instance, when I went to Thailand, I tried to do my research and I thought I was doing the right thing about going to these elephant sanctuaries, so-called. And yes, I did ride the elephants because I was told that, yep, they're just like, you know, any other animals. They need their exercise, blah, blah, blah. It's all good for them. It's not. And I probably cried for a whole week after I found out, you know, how horrible riding elephants are for them because I do love animals so much. So please do your research. Do not support companies that treat animals with disregard. A lot of companies nowadays, I'm very happy to say they do really care about the imprint that they're leaving behind. A lot of tour companies, they do have initiatives that they actually are giving back during the tour, which is quite nice. So definitely do your research and especially when it comes to sustainability in travel. I think solo travel overall has really taught me to be more compassionate as a person. And again, like I've said before, it's really a time where you're exploring, you're 
really becoming that almost that inner child again when you see somewhere new for the first time. It's that sense of wonder, sense of excitement, so many different emotions and feelings, I think, come to the surface when you're traveling. And I think doing it alone is such an an amazing experience. And again, it should not hold anyone back. So the final question that I was asked was, is it more expensive to travel solo? It is and it isn't. It is in the way if you do a cruise or some other types of travel. However, nowadays there are some programs where the solo supplement can be waived. For instance, some river cruises promote that. There's also some cruise lines that are aware that people traveling solo is now a regular occurrence. So they do have solo cabins on board, or they'll actually give discounts for people who are traveling solo. So it's definitely worth chatting to your travel agent or a travel agent and to see how we can maximize your budget. The other thing is that... Because you are just one person, you're not worrying about two flight costs. You're not worrying about two sets of meals. You're not worrying about, you know, additional costs in that aspect. So you are just worrying about your cost when it comes to hotel or food, tours, activities, and so on. So in that regard, it is just... A bit of a savings in that way. That's how I kind of view it. I will also mention too that there are some tour companies where you don't need to pay for your own room if you don't want to. You will be paired up with somebody who's like-minded or there's actually now tour companies that specialize in solo travel and you're guaranteed your own room. So if you are interested, because I am a travel agent, I'd love to have a chat about it with you more. So please send me a DM and I'd love to talk solo travel. So I really hope you found today's episode on solo travel helpful and inspiring. And I hope I answered all your questions. Be sure to check out the blog post for this episode at www.wonderlessjourney.ca and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review and share this podcast with friends. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if you have new topics in mind you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please email me at podcast at wonderlessjourney.ca or send me a message on Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.